0: Good morning everyone. Morning everyone. Morning. How are we all doing? We're doing well? We're doing well. The sun is shining today. Isn't it a great Sunday here today? Yes. Yes. yes, there we go. We got a yes. Now, before we kick off, let me let me just pray today. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that we can come here today, whether it be in the building, online, thank you that we can worship and praise you here, Lord. Allow us to hear your word as we continue to look through the gospel of Mark, In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. So have you ever had those sort of combative people in your life? Those sort of people that always want to sort of prove that they are right or just want to like have the last say or trying to prove a point this could be a coworker, a friend, even, even a family member. They can be pretty annoying, can't they? Always trying to butt in, get in. And see, as we're getting towards the pointy end of the book of Mark, the, Pharisee, the Pharisees are becoming quite combative at the moment. And as we heard last week, they are challenging Jesus' authority. And this week, as we just heard, they're going to try and trip him up again. But before, before they can get in and ask him another question, Jesus starts to teach. He starts to tell the tell story again, a story about a farmer and his vineyard. And so I'm just going to retell it just so it's fresh in our minds. So Mark 12:1. A man planted a vineyard. He built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out grape juice, and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to the tenant farmer and moved to another country. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent one of his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmer grabbed the servant, beat him up, sent him back empty-handed. The owner then sent another servant, but they insulted him, beat him over the head. The next servant he sent was killed. Others were either beaten or killed until there was only one left, his son, who he loved dearly. The owner finally sent him, thinking, surely they will respect my son. But the tenant farm, farmers sent to, said to one another, here comes the heir to this estate. Let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him and murdered him and threw his body out of the vineyard. So I'm just going to stop there because as we're hearing this story, and imagine that you're in the temple grounds at this, because Jesus is still in the temple at this point. The Pharisees have come up to him, and then he's just told them this story. And see, this isn't the first time we hear this sort of story throughout the Bible. So this sort of, this theme that's popped up is popping up throughout All of scripture. And so I'm just going to quickly read Isaiah 5 from the Old Testament. And as I read it, think of what we've just heard and start to sort of compare Isaiah 5 and Jesus' parable. So, Isaiah 5 Now I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He ploughed the land, cleared its stones, and planted it with the best vines. In the middle he built a watchtower and carved a winepress in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were bitter. Now, people of Jerusalem and Judea, you judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard? That i have not already done when i expect sweet grapes why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes now let me tell you what i will do to my vineyard i will tear down its hedges let it be destroyed i will break down its walls and let the animals trample it i will make it a wild place where the, vin- where the vines are not pruned and the ground is not hoed i placed overgrown with bears and thorns and I will command the clouds to drop no rain on it. The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of heaven's armies. The people of Judea are his pleasant garden. He expects a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expects to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. Can you see a correlation between the two? Can you see that there's... Bit of a theme popping up here. See, Jesus told his story very carefully. He chose the words very carefully as he was telling them. And see, the vineyard, he even describes it the exact same way. See, both vineyards have a watchtower, a wall around it, and a wine press. See, in both stories, the farmer is looking to collect. From their harvest. In Jesus' parable, it's the rent. In Isaiah, it's good fruit. But both harvests are not fruitful. See, Jesus knew what he was doing. See, it amazes me that we here today, we have the access to to get the scripture, to get the Bible, to see any sort of verse that we want to, I can look it up here on my iPad. Here we can pull out our phones. We can read the Bible, we can look, we can pick up any anyone's Bible. But back then, it amazes me how much that they 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 knew of the Old Testament, how they studied it, how they knew it, how they memorized it. And see, for any savvy. Pharisee, as Jesus uttered the words vineyard, their minds would have been taken away. The cogs would have been going, and they would have been like, hang on, I think, I think he's talking about Isaiah 5 here. Or they're starting to think, I'm like, hang on, that's, that reminds me of Isaiah 5. See, both, so they would have known that In both stories, there are consequences to the actions that have been had. See, in Isaiah 5, I will take away the hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its walls, and it will be trampled upon. Jesus' version of this story, Jesus' parable, is a lot more violent. Both stories highlight a vineyard owner, who is God, sending his love to the nation, but it is rejected. In Jesus' parable, the tenant sends his beloved son, and surely that will fix everything. But what happens? They kill him. He gets tossed aside. See that Jesus further illustrates this point, and he uses, he quotes Psalm 118, 22, 23. See the stone that the builders Reject has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. See, Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the stone that the builders reject. The builders are the Pharisees. The builders are the Pharisees in this story, and they reject him, and what? He becomes the cornerstone. See, Jesus, rejected by the Pharisees, rejected by the people of Israel, charged and then put to death, becomes the cornerstone of our faith. And just like in the psalm that we just heard, it is wonderful. So with Jesus' parable and the understanding of that, this theme, this theme keeps on popping out throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, this leads to me my first question, and it is, what is God giving you? See, in the stories, God is sending something. He's giving. So for us today, what is God giving you? God, might be providing financially, Presenting you with a new job opportunity. He may be giving you friends, family, to help you out in times of need. He may be blessing you with the knowledge, the strength to overcome something or to complete a certain task. Or he might be giving you the opportunity to go out to help others. So what is God giving you? See, you might be sending stuff but are you accepting it? Are you embracing what God is giving you with open arms? Or Are you just going to let it wander by? Or even worse, are you going to reject it? Are you going to say no and just ignore it and keep going down your path? What is God giving you? So this nicely ties in with our second part, and As you're thinking about it, just keep that in the back of your mind. The first question of what is God giving you? So we're going to go. We're going to jump into the next part and see. Jesus has told this story, and imagine yourself as as the Pharisees at this point. You are here, you're listening to the story, and it's it's sort of like a backhanded compliment, or it's like receiving a backhanded compliment. You first think, oh, okay, he's you know, you're telling this, and then all of a sudden you realise what it is, and you're like, hang on. Wait, wait, that means he's, he's talking about us here. We're, we're the people that are killing off things. And they've, they've realized this and, and they get annoyed. I mean, I'd be annoyed too if I, if I worked out that someone was telling a story about me and that I was doing dastardly things. I, w- I would be annoyed too. And see, so much so that they wanted to arrest him. So they try to trap Jesus with a question and they try to pin him in this sort of lose-lose sort of situation. And see, they ask the question: is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, the thought process behind this is that the Pharisees think that if Jesus affirms the Romans, so if he says yes to paying taxes, he affirms the Roman taxation that he will offend his followers. On the other hand, if he says that he rejects it, he will face charges of treason. A sort of lose-lose situation. On one hand, he's going to lose his followers. On the other hand, they can put him to prison, into prison. Now, ultimately, they just want to get rid of the guy. So they're really wanting him to just say, reject it. But losing the followers, you know, that's an added bonus there. So they're trying to get him into a corner. See, what does what does what does Jesus do? He asks for a coin. And after examining it, there's the image of Caesar on it. And this is very reflective of going all the way back to the beginning in Genesis 1. Humans are made in the image of God. Just like the coin is stamped with the image of Caesar. We, as humans, are stamped with the image of God. Let me say that again. Just like Caesar is stamped with the, just like the coin, sorry, is stamped with the image of Caesar, we are stamped with the image of God. So what does Jesus respond to them? How does he respond to the question? He says, give to the emperor what is his, but give to God what is his. Give to the emperor what is his, but give to God what is his. See, this sort of baffles people, this sort of response, and it's one of these questions about what it sort of means and there's lots of different sort of scholarly looks at what it means, and especially if you think that at the time of the, the, of the Romans and sort of the system, that the Roman system was very oppressive. Um, they would be robbing people just through taxes and, you know, it, it, it would be be very abusive. It's a very abusive sort of system to say the least, especially if you weren't a Roman. But see, let me sort of say it again, and it's up on the screen. I'm just going to add a couple of words for us to sort of understand what Jesus is meaning by this. Give to the emperor what is his money, but give to God what is his, our very lives. Give to the emperor what is his, but give to God what is his. See, we are, we are called to obey the law of the land because if the money belongs to Caesar, it belongs to God even more because Caesar himself is under God's authority. See, Romans 13, 1-2 says this, Everyone must submit to the governing authorities. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in position of authority have been placed there by God. So that anyone who rejects against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. 1 Peter 2.13 says this, For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honour those who do right. For the Lord's sake, submit to all of God's authority. Now this answers sort of Jesus' first part of his response, that we are called to submit to the authorities, even though they may be unjust in some times, even though they may be oppressive We are called to submit to the law of the land because the authority given by them has come to the authority of God. But this leads us to our second part of the question of Jesus' response. And my second question today giving to God what is His. And so the question I have for everyone is what are you giving to God? What are you giving to God? See, the Psalms are a great place to, to look for what we can give to the Lord. We can praise him. We can keep the promises that we've given to him. We can bring our offerings to honor him. Just to name a few. See, Psalm 76, 11 says, Make vows to the Lord our God and keep them. Let everyone bring tribute to the awesome one. See, last week we heard about Jesus' authority. And one of the ways that we can give to God is to give the authority over us is that we can submit our the authority that we have and we can give that authority to God yet not my will but yours be done not my will but yours be done lord that 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 one comes from luke luke 22:42 just for those that want to know see as you were thinking about what are you giving to lord, to to the Lord, what are you giving to God? Let me let me add another sort of little part to the questions, just to get get the cogs turning even more. So, what are you giving to God, and how much of that are you giving to God? Because it's all well and good to give to God, but if you're only what spending an hour doing it, if you're only coming here, spending an hour here and then going off, if you're only praising His name some of the time. If you're only giving some of the time or sitting in his word when it suits me, praying when times are tough or it suits what I want. See, just like the fig tree, we need to be fruitful all the time, not just some of the time, all the time, all the time. And so this is my challenge for you today. Think of the the three questions that we have. What is God giving you? And then what are you giving to God? And really think about this. What are you giving to God? And how much of that are you giving to God? Let me just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for the gifts that you bring us. Thank you that we can come and accept these gifts that you give us. That we can embrace them with open arms, that we don't let them wander by. Thank you for the offering that you provide us. Lord, allow us to accept these gifts and allow us to give back to you, Lord. Allow us to praise you, seek you out, Lord, because, Lord, it is not our will, but is your will, Lord, is your will be done. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen.